how do you define masculinity in a way that actually helps you in your life, especially in your relationship, and in a way that doesn't confine you to some role, get you stuck in what it means to be masculine? That's what we're going to talk about today. And Relationship Alive is my offering to you so that you can have the most amazing relationship possible. So if you're finding the show to be helpful, please consider a donation to ensure that we can continue. To choose something that feels right for you, please visit neilsatin.com support or text the word support to the number 33444 and follow the instructions. And this week, I would like to thank Miriam, Lara, Jordan, Jacqueline, Lita, and Stavrula. Thank you so much for your generous donations and your vote of confidence in the Relationship Alive podcast. Today's show is about masculinity, but no matter where you are on the spectrum of gender or masculine versus feminine, if you're in relationship, you need to learn how to communicate in a way that connects you to your partner, no matter how challenging the thing is that you're talking about. So I put together a free guide to my top three communication secrets in relationship. In order to get the guide, all you have to do is visit neilsatin.com slash relate or text the word relate to the number 33444 and follow the instructions. Also, if you haven't joined us yet, Come find the Relationship Alive community on Facebook, where you can join more than a thousand other people who are there to have conversations to support each other in having amazing, thriving, conscious relationships. Okay, and one last thing. Today's show is being co-hosted by my good friend, Shana James, the host of the Man Alive podcast. She's a coach who works primarily with men, and there's a skill she teaches that many men don't learn, and not knowing this skill can seriously limit them professionally and in their relationships. So to get her free guide on how to develop this unknown skill, you can visit shanajamescoaching.com or text the word ALIVE to the number 44. One four four. It's a little different than the number I use. Four four one four four, and you would text the word alive. Okay, I think that's everything. On with the show. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Man Alive, and, and welcome to another episode of <laughs> Relationship Alive. <laughs> we are your hosts, Neil Satin. And Shana James. <laughs> and we're here today to talk about some really important topics that we each wanted to cover on our respective podcasts. And so we thought, why not become each other and <laughs> do it together? Right. We will merge like you're not supposed to do. But why don't we come together and talk about it? And so we have it for each of our shows. I love it. Yeah. I love it. Yeah, we've been really going back and forth around this idea of the stereotypical masculine and some frameworks out there that that in some ways have been really helpful for men and have had men step into more of their power and confidence and have, you know, deeper connections and in other ways have um what might you say, pushed men into shame and feeling wrong and feeling, you know, they're out of one box and into another box and feeling confined. And so, um, you know, really wanting to look at if we are going to take on or if men are going to take on a kind of archetype or ideas of masculinity, how can they be played with versus, how did you say it, versus constricting or constricting. something like that? Yeah, yeah. And this question too of whenever, if you're feeling like you should be some way, Mm-hmm. whatever way that is, how's that going to impact you? How's that going to impact your relationships? Yeah. And, you know, because my show, like, and this is interesting because my show is all focused on relationship. Yeah. And um, Shana, your show is 
called Man Alive. So it's all about this question of how men can step into who they are. Yep. And uh, and I was wondering before we got on, I was thinking like, is there a is there a difference? You know, when is there something about men stepping into who they are where that could in and of itself get in the way in huh. relationship? Interesting. You so mm. you, the question being, if men are themselves, for lack of a, a more specific way to say it right now, right? Like if, if a man actually discovers who he is, his own needs, his desires, his, his truth, that could that actually get in the way of a relationship? That was the, that was the question. That's the question. Yeah. And I say that because when I'm looking at a lot of, and I, I like the word you use frameworks, when I'm looking at some of the frameworks that are becoming more and more popular now as a, as a way of, I think, reeling ourselves back from men and women being the same. And so trying to reclaim some of the polarity and the difference and the beards, I guess. Um, As, but as I look at that, I can see that there's a lot in that, that actually does help us men. I'm just speaking for myself here, Mm -hmm. um, step into more of who we are. In fact, I even like grew this out a little bit for our conversation. (laughs) Um, and this being a beard, right? My beard, right. You might not be watching. So I grew, I grew my beard out. That's an important thing to note. Um, and that being said, when you start talking about what's involved in people actually relating to each other, mm-hmm. then then I don't think that those answers necessarily are long-term solutions. They could provide short-term solutions, but the over answers the- answers of like, here's how to be a Here's how to be more of a man. Or something, yeah. or more of a man. Yeah. yeah. Take charge of your family and your relationship. Buy a gun, grow a beard, drive your truck own or do all of those archetypal or really stereotypical manly things. Well, this is so interesting because hearing you say that, I'm like, oh, that wasn't the frameworks I was talking about, about being a man. (laughs) I was thinking more of the frameworks of, you know, David Data and some other people out there who talk about a kind of masculine power that has to do with presence and uh, solidity, mm. you know, I'm giving a little tongue in cheek in the way I'm saying this, but w- I, I do think they're actually really powerful ways that a man or a woman, I mean, we could talk about it, right? Masculine, feminine to me doesn't mean man, woman. Um, but yeah, so probably important that you and I get on the same page. Are we actually talking about the same frameworks or do we have different frameworks we're thinking of? I think that's why it's so important that we have this conversation. And of course, you know, I was being a little facetious about the gun and the pickup truck and the beard for that matter. But, um, and you might be able to hear there's a plow actually. I wish I were driving that plow. It would feel so much more masculine in this moment. Manly than sitting here doing a podcast. (laughs) Right. Or why'd I get the plow? I should be out there shoveling like a real man. Um, oh, right. The whole idea of being a real man. See, yeah. my sense, right. This is where it gets confusing. I think a lot of the frameworks out there, um, my sense is that their intention in some of these more conscious realms and Tantra and personal growth is to help men step away from some kind of box of here's what you have to be to be a man. And yet I think they have, um, a negative spin sometimes where men take it on as, oh, now I'm supposed to do this to be a man. Right. Right. Now I'm more present. Now I'm supposed to, I'm supposed to lead. I have to lead every interaction, right? Yeah. Yeah. I'm supposed to lead. I'm supposed to open my woman, if we're talking about a heterosexual relationship. And, uh, right. And there's no room for me to be uncertain or, vulnerable or weak or Uh yeah which is so interesting because a lot of the work that I do with men is around how to be able to bring vulnerability shame weakness desire whatever or weakness as in you know what I think makes me weak um 
but in a more powerful way, which again, I think could be confusing, but in a way, the way I describe it is like, I have these vulnerable parts of me and ultimately I know I'm a good person or I'm a good man. Like I know there's more to me. I know that these things don't make me unlovable or unworthy. And so I can bring these forward in relationship or in other, you know, any kind of relationship, but let's say also romantic relationship with a partner and not fall into, I need you to tell me I'm okay. I need you to tell me I'm good enough. You know, I need you to fix me or make me feel better about myself. Right. Right. So there's that sense of how to, how do you enter relationship without either partner feeling like, wow, you're here to save me. Right. And whatever that translates into, um, you know, if it's um, one partner needing to be the hero of the relationship Mm -hmm. or one person needing to be the caretaker of the Mm -hmm. relationship. Um, Right. And the other needing to be saved. Yeah. But then what is it like to come into a relationship knowing that there's potential for healing and growth without needing to fix or save each other, right? Like that to me is a kind of mastery. Can we love each other through these challenging moments of vulnerability for both of us, whatever gender we are? And and that's one end of the spectrum. That to me feels a little bit more like the yin or the um, a certain kind of foundation of connection. Mm-hmm. And then you also mentioned earlier polarity, right? Then like, how do we keep that spark alive also? Yeah. Yeah. And that's, this is a, an important place as well, because I think, you know, the reason that the, the more stereotypical kinds of um, frameworks hold so much power is if you're in a relationship where that's not happening at all, uh-huh. then you can hear that and feel like, that's exactly what's missing. Like, I need that. Mm -hmm. I need, whether it's I need to be led and opened, like I'm tired of making all the decisions or I'm tired of your, you know, whatever it is. Or it's like, yeah, I need to like step more into that, that powerful presence. Um, You know, for some reason I've been scared to do that or I've been, I've been holding back because I'm, you know, I'm, not feeling confident in in expressing myself that way. So right. when you so if that's the place you're in and then you hear someone saying like, "Yeah, step into your power and lead and, you know, be opened or whatever it is," then it can be like, "Wow, what a relief." Like, "Yes, let's do that." Uh-huh. Right, it gives permission in a way like, "Oh, I can lead and I can take charge and I don't have to be that asshole I saw my dad be or some other men in the past who were doing it without care for other people. Right. I've definitely seen that help men um, you know, feel more empowered. Yeah. And and or but <laughs> <laughs> and it's like well, two things come to mind. One is that it can it can certainly infuse some energy into a situation like that that feels stale or stagnant Mm -hmm. like where it's just you need something to get the whole thing moving Mm -hmm. um but on the flip side there is this question and this is something i've talked about on my show you've probably talked about on yours of as soon as we're stepping into roles or scripts of how we're supposed to be Mm -hmm. that actually can kill the things that create juice in a relationship that are about being in the moment, being spontaneous, owning who you are, which to me doesn't have anything to do with, you know, whether my wife can hold my beard while we're having sex. And you mean that metaphorically? (laughs) (laughs) What does holding your beard mean? (laughs) Well, I was just imagining like I've grown out this big beard. I I don't have a, a big beard like that, but it's like, you know, just saying, yeah, that that there's a point where even if we're wearing the costume that we're supposed to be wearing, yep. you know, and presenting the way we're supposed to be presenting, 
that if you that the there's a place where that play will be satisfying but if you watch the same play over and over and over again mm-hmm. it's going to get old if you're in that play over and over again it's, it's getting get old. old or if you're in a play that i i do believe that some fake it till you make it can actually work right mm-hmm. it can um kind of jump start the engine let's say or mm-hmm. it can give us access to certain parts of us, whether it's in the realm of leading or surrendering or vulnerability that we haven't had before. So I don't, I don't, and it can be a tricky line, right? Like when is it faking it till I'm making it? And when is it that I'm just continuing to fake it? Because anywhere I think where we keep doing something because we're supposed to, I mean, maybe that's the heart of it, right? It's like, Mm. oh, I'm supposed to do this thing versus when I do it, I feel more, and this might take some describing, but like I feel more aligned in myself. I feel more alive. I feel more true. I feel more open. I feel more joyous. I feel more vital, right? Like where is it that we put these roles in as a supposed to, as opposed to I'm going to try on this role or I'm going to kind of put on a new costume and see how does it fit? with me? Does it give me more access to my voice and my truth and my power? Or does it have me feel stilted and constrained? Yeah. Yeah. I'm, and you can come at it from the other angle too, mm-hmm. where um, authenticity can also be a trap. And yeah. perhaps you've seen this where someone feels like, oh, well, I'm just being me. Like yes. it's, it's me to not take the initiative ever in in bed. I don't right. know why we keep talking about bed, but let's just it's say a concrete example. <laughs> yeah, sure. And mine is right over there, so I'm I keep looking at it. Um but yeah, so authenticity can also be a trap. And there's that question of how do you how do you be authentic without being held back by your authenticity as its own prescription or role i'm thinking about how you and i even met yeah and i can't remember if we spoke about this in the episode that we did together for the relationship alive podcast we may have addressed it but um shana you were coaching for the authentic man program Mm -hmm. and and i saw you in a video and i thought i want to be her friend Uh, (laughs) And uh, that's like the ultra condensed version of the story. But um, right. I was in a place where I was in, I was married to my first wife mm-hmm. and really unhappy and trying to figure out why I was so unhappy. And that was how I came across Authentic Man Program. Right. And um, But I was thinking about that in as I was um, pondering this conversation that we were going to have and thinking like, right, we we came to know each other in this realm of like, not putting on anything fake, like learning how to be present, learning how to give attention in a way that's where you're not losing yourself, learning how to stand in who you are. Right. And when I think about, you know, the Authentic Man program and all the work I've done with men and you've done with people, I mean, I want to speak for you, but there is this, uh, there is a paradox or an overlap or a something, right? Between helping for me, helping support men to find their authenticity. Um, and I guess I probably have a bias or a belief that authenticity is not, um, what did you say? Something about like never making decisions or like that authenticity is not a lack of energy or a lack of life force. Mm. Maybe. Like I think I have a bias or a belief that authenticity is a kind of fullness of life force and um, and that that could be sadness, that could be anger, that could be joy, but that ultimately there's this sense of I when I check in with myself, I feel good about the choices I'm making. You know, I feel um, I have access to create what I want to create. Like, not that I should be creating something or you should be creating something in particular, but that I know that I can create what I want. And so, right. So, 
if if a man comes and he's you know, I've often said this, right? Like some men have more of a heart based and some men, you know, there's humor and other men, there's just intellect that is through the roof. And other men, there's more of like this mysterious quality. And I don't try to steer men toward one way or like a cookie cutter mold, but more to find what is your unique expression. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I, I appreciate that, that there's not this sense that any one of those things is necessarily bad. Mm-hmm. Though when any one of those things is running the show, yes, that's where you end up disconnected or you lose access to parts of you that exactly. help you connect. Exactly. And we're talking about it in this realm of connection and that's where I tend to tend to dance is mm-hmm. like, okay, if, if I'm coming to you and I'm, I mean, it's maybe a little easier when you think about like, I'm angry or I'm really sad about something, but I want to even think like, what if I were really depressed and exhausted? What if I right. were spent? So this is like stretching what we're talking about a little bit, because that is maybe a state where you're not Ooh, in yeah, your energy yeah. in your power. Yeah. yeah. How do you how do you be authentically that? Wow, I'm depleted. But mm-hmm. in relationship, how do you bring that so that it is a force that connects you? So even that. if you're depleted, you're still yeah. able to be with the person that you're with. Right. And that it doesn't have to be the most passionate connection or the most, you know, exciting connection in that moment, but it might be more of a tender or a quiet connection or maybe there's something in here about I'm trying to be something so someone else will want me or love me or believe in me versus, oh, I feel depleted right now. You know, I feel depleted right now and I still care about you. Or even in a work context, I feel depleted right now and I'm still here committed to getting this job done or something. But, you know, right, that, that is there a way that we don't have to hide what's really going on? Mm-hmm. Um, And at the same time, how do we bring those parts of ourselves in a way that creates more connection rather than pushes someone away? Yeah. And what might be the most authentic thing in that moment is, actually, I need some space. I need to move away from you. But I still believe we can do it in a connected way. Mm. Yeah, which bumps right up against the, the, like, men need their space kind of... uh, mentality that that's yeah. part that's somehow part of the masculine archetype is taking space and right. going into your cave to figure shit out or and if you don't now you're what i don't know you've been more you're more feminine because you want to say a pussy and i hate when people say that but it's like yeah. i think that is the this this idea or and then in some realms where i've seen men learn, okay, don't bring your struggles to a woman or to a partner. And again, I see the paradox of if we bring all of our struggles to our primary partner, I think that can create a heaviness and a, you know, a feeling of like, oh God, we're, we're always going to be struggling together. But if you don't bring anything to your partner, then you don't know each other. And it's all kind of based on this more surface experience together. Yeah, and you miss the opportunity that pooling your resources with your partner. And sometimes that's one of you is depleted and the other of you carries the weight. Right. And that doesn't, that's not gender dependent, you know, or spectrum Uh dependent, you know. Well, I was just going to say, so it's a dynamic. Yeah. And, and the question for me is, when you're talking about polarity, the whole point is to create a dynamism in your yes. connection. So how do you keep things dynamic? You don't do it by necessarily being the same way all the time. That's for right. sure. Yeah. And I like that you just went back to what's the point, right? What's the why? What are we trying? What are we going for here? Yeah. And versus... You know, I've learned the 
art of setting context for something, right? Like I'd like to try leading you around for the next 10 minutes because I want to see what it feels like in my body to unapologetically take control while still being connected to you and your heart and what's good for you versus a lack of context, which is just like, I'm going to, I'm, I want to try taking on this role. Like I want to lead you around or, you know, there's, there's a way I think when we know for ourselves why we're doing something and when we can communicate it to others, it puts us, I think, in a deeper place of connection of, oh, now we're more on the same team. We're trying something out together. We have a sense of why we're doing what we're doing. And then I think, you know, if you have a why, there could be endless number of hows to get there, right? Versus I'm going to focus on what's the correct how. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I like that. I like how what you're talking about sounds so collaborative. Mm, yeah. Because that, that's another relationship problem, right? Where each person feels like they're alone in their silo to try and figure out how the hell to make a change or make a difference or yeah. like they yeah. just got to figure it out. And that that can sometimes really feel true when you're in relationship with someone who's a little shut down and who mm -hmm. doesn't want to have the conversation about like, I don't want to be invited into leading you or mm -hmm. I don't want to be invited into being led by you. That sounds right. scary or I'm not even nother, there. Or Yeah, that could be a whole nother conversation of like, what do you do? Maybe you've probably, I imagine you've addressed this in your podcast. What do you do when you have a partner who doesn't feel willing or isn't wanting to stretch or grow or expand or change things if there's something that you're wanting. I mean, that's a whole nother ball of wax we could get into. Mm. It's one thing about, I think what we were talking about before we officially started, which is conscious relationship mm -hmm. and how our relationships really do require something different. And this mm -hmm. is something I think about a lot because I work with a lot of couples yeah. where one of them is in that situation. Mm -hmm. And and the question does come up for me, like, does this mean that there are a lot of partnerships that really aren't destined to stay together mm. because one is just going to be on a growth path and the other one isn't and has no interest? Yeah. And for me, that balances out with um, having experienced, actually, um, that even that, even like having a foundation of like, yeah, I want to be, I want to be a better person. There are times when I don't feel like changing. There are times when I'm stuck right. in who I right. am. There are times where, you know, Chloe, my wife, where she will say, you know, point out something that is, you know, represents an old pattern of mine. Yeah. And I'm irritated and I don't want to do anything about it. like, so, so there is space. Mm -hmm in a situation that feels hopeless, if you can stay engaged. And that's really the art of what you're talking about is like, how do you, how do you show up even then in a way that doesn't become about, well, you should be growth oriented because otherwise, right. how are we going to have a conscious relationship that doesn't become that? Because now it's just become oddly confining, even though it's about growth and change. I mean, right. at some point, you got to be able to figure out, like, all right, are our are our values aligned enough that we're on this journey together, or are they not? Back to values, yeah, yeah. I just did a conversation last week that where we got into right, what are each person's values, and how often people don't necessarily know their values. I mean, I remember doing some coaching before I got married, and we did some values conversations and where our values were differing and where they were the same and overlapped. And yeah. And in some ways, you know, we still ended up getting divorced and we both, I think are on a path of growth, but a different kind of growth or, you know, then we had a kid and all kinds of things started to show up. So I just, I think I also want to speak a word to the complicated nature of relationships. And in our culture, it can seem like if you don't stay together with someone, it's a failure. Um, but I'm also aware that now we're, 
I don't know, we're, we're on a different topic in a way of conscious relationship and what is conscious relationship or how do we stay connected? How do we collaborate? How do we be on the same team? And maybe it's all still, I think it all still is connected, but also this idea of um, how to not get stuck in a stereotypical masculine role as we're becoming more conscious, maybe? Right. I, I think where I start to get a little nervous is where these frameworks, as you've been talking about for, for masculinity, where they potentially become problematic, where they're actually, if you're not bringing consciousness to them, then they become the source of problems um, and I can't help but think at the moment of me too and just how much of that is about more like this shadow masculinity, right? Then it's like, are we, are we talking about masculine, like unconsciously masculine or consciously masculine, right? Because I think the unconscious or the box of kind of cultural definition of masculine is be strong, be powerful, go after what you want, don't apologize. And at the same time, I know a lot of men, especially men who come to me, have had really loving women in their lives and they've been taught to be nice and be good and not overstep their bounds and be respectful. And and I think it has often put men in a bind. Like, wait, I'm supposed to be strong and powerful and not admit to any weakness, but, but then I'm supposed to be kind and loving and you know caring. And w- what the fuck do I do now? And how do I actually express myself or how do I share my needs and desires, let alone even get them met. And so I I think the next step, I don't know, maybe this is arrogant to say or too conclusive, but it, it feels like there's a step in masculine evolution where, and sometimes the way I talk about it is head, heart, and sex or head, heart, and balls balance, right? This way of both heart and love and care and sexuality being, you know, the dials turned up in a way to a hundred percent. Like I don't have to give up my heart and my care to be very powerful or sexual or, um, you know, confident. And, and then I think men can go out in the world in a powerful way and co-create or collaborate versus the false power I see, which is I don't feel powerful, so I'm going to try and take because I think that's the only way mm. I could get it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what I like to add, if this fits into people's paradigms mm-hmm. in that head, heart, balls, um, is uh, is also your connection to spirit. Totally. I've been yeah. realizing that lately that I'm like, oh, it's missing that fourth piece. Yeah. yeah. And how that fuels your connection to something greater. Yes. You're being part of the whole, how you're, we're actually connected. It becomes a lot more challenging to do things that are, let's just call it, since you did earlier beautifully, the unconscious masculine. It becomes a lot more challenging to do that if you're aware, if you're conscious of like, oh, we're right. actually connected. So why would I do that to you? Right. You know, why would I act upon you mm-hmm. instead of bringing some ferocity in t- that still is able to, to um, be with you? Right. Right. And I think some of my favorite experiences of a man's expression of power, um, you know, they really come with this, there's an intensity, like you said, or sometimes ferocity, but sometimes just an intensity, an intensity of loving or an intensity of passion. And it's so clear to me that I'm cared about and that they want something good for me too. Mm. You know? And yeah, I love bringing in the soul element because in the soul, in my experience, there isn't really a masculine feminine. It's more of this pure just being. Yeah. Yeah. And it also, like, as you were saying that, I started to feel like, right. And there's a difference between I'm with you so that I can get my needs met. 
versus we're together so that we can get our needs met. Yes. And how that changes the the dynamic. Mm-hmm. You know, then it's not like you were saying earlier, it's not about taking what you need. Yes. It's about um, how are we going to get this together? Right, which I'm wondering, okay, if we bring that back into this stereotypical masculinization or idea of masculine, right? Mm-hmm. Um, whether it's in a business context or a relationship context or a family context, when there is a sense of a man getting his own, that his own needs and desires are valuable, valued, important, right? Mm-hmm. And that so is the other's needs and desires. I just, I wonder then how that impacts um, and, and how to move beyond, like I was saying before, this conflict of, wait, I'm supposed to be the rock. I'm not supposed to have any, you know, vulnerability. I'm supposed to be nice and take care of others. And I do see like this next stepping stone or next evolution of, oh, I can be powerfully grounded in myself, value myself, you know, believe in my own self-worth and also share, I feel really vulnerable right now. And, you know, I feel moved to tears right now, or I feel really sad that there's something happening in this relationship that is, it's painful for me, you know, or something I'm not getting that I, I don't know if I need to get it from you or not, but you know, I'm not, I'm not feeling loved. I'm not feeling affection. I'm not those things, right? Can we actually come to the table and be, I think, express a kind of powerful vulnerability or that vulnerability itself to me is power. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I want your opinion on something. And, uh, and at the same time, I'm thinking like, let's, let's try to shift our conversation if we can to get, let's see how practical we can get. Yeah. Okay. Cause, um, I don't know that this is going to be practical, but let's, let's see. Cause this, so this is the question. The question is why even, why even talk about masculine and feminine? Mm. Because in my experience, mm-hmm. if two people come together mm-hmm. and they're willing to be in who they are to be impacted by each other to uh-huh. speak to that or and sometimes that speaking is the voice but other times it's how you touch how you mm-hmm. um it could be anything right it's not just like blah blah we're going to talk about it but if two people are doing that that's where the energy is mm. and it's it's not necessarily about being leading or, or being following happening. yeah exactly it's um it's actually about what it feels like to be more real. And ow, we got like, I'm somehow back at that authenticity piece, uh-huh. you know? It's just uh-huh. like, be authentic with your partner and and there you are. You right. know, you're gonna find your way into masculine, feminine, you know, I'm just looking outside, like sometimes you might be more like a tree or the snowflake or the squirrel or the bear. Or the or, root of the tree or the leaves of the tree, right? Yeah. Right, if we actually let go of, I'm supposed to be some way that is either feminine or masculine, would would things just take shape in an easier way? Yeah. You know? Um, and then I think the question of authenticity, though, can be so confusing for people because at least from my perspective, um, we've all been conditioned from such a young age that it's hard to know what's authentic, right? Like what's true for us. But in the context, I I found myself saying this recently, like I feel like an explorer, you know, I love to explore dynamics and the inner world and the outer world. And well, what happens if I do this and how will you react if I do that? And um, yeah, I wonder if there's a context of play, like, and, and, I don't know that I have an answer for this, but I like the idea of taking on experiments mm-hmm. and time-bound experiments. And so for those who are in relationship, what might it be like for a day or a week 
to say, you know what, I'm going to let go of any ideas of masculine, feminine, anything. And I'm just going to see what I feel moved to do. Some of that might be scary, right? Some of that might feel like this is really awkward or uncomfortable, but I'm, I'm noticing I feel moved to cry in your arms, even though I don't even know if I can, or I'm noticing I feel moved to, you know, take you into the bedroom and have my way with you or like any of those things, man, woman, masculine, feminine aside, that could be a really interesting experiment. And the opposite could be interesting too. Or, you know, opposite being like, what if we really put attention on a masculine or feminine dynamic? And what if we each took on the other, you know? So I don't know that I have any concrete answers, but I I think in practical terms, to become an explorer and to see what brings me more energy and vitality and excitement and connection in the moment feels like an interesting way to go for me. Yeah, there's something about when you said, let's each be the other. other. Uh What I really, what that sparked in me was, right, that makes a ton of sense because if I'm going to um, be more feminine, let's say, in that context, hanging out with Chloe, then the odds are that I'm going to do it in a way that on some level I'm looking for or that I feel is lacking. It's almost Mm -hmm. like if she were to be like, well, tell me how to be a woman. I don't really know. Or tell me how to be a man. Like, I don't know what you're missing. I'm just being me. Like, show me. And I could see that being valuable. Mm -hmm. um, Though there's some potential for... um, for it to feel like you got to be in the spirit of play. Exactly. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You don't want to be in the spirit of being critical or judgmental, or I'm going to show you what I'm, what I've been missing. Right. But. Right. And what if it's just about me? It's not about what I've been missing with us. It's more like, Oh, do I let myself, you know, when I look at the whole spectrum of how I could express myself and what I could do and say, where are the places I'm not thinking it's okay to go? And for some people, for a lot of people, that's anger. You know, mm. for me, I've also noticed it's joy. I hold back my joy. If someone else feels less joyful than me, I feel a little guilty feeling joy or playful. Um, and I, I've, I've seen that for other people too. So again, maybe another practical way is starting to consider, and you could do this even with a partner or a friend, like, where do I see you holding back from what could be called a natural expression, right? And that, um, you know, with anger, we don't have to take our anger out on someone or blame or attack someone. But at the end of my last relationship, I had this really interesting experience where, you know, I started getting a little more frustrated And at the end, he said something like, I don't think you're as nice as you think you are. And (laughs) I said, that's totally true. Actually, I believe you. I try to be nicer than I am. And there are things that bother me that I don't speak to. And I try to just shove under the rug because I'm like, oh, that's not a big deal. And then it'll come back out later. But when I went to one of my teachers and I told her that, she laughed and she said, actually, I think you're nicer than you think you are. And it was just this really brilliant counterpoint where she was pointing out like, that in my soul, I actually am really loving. And it was my ego or my identity that started getting contracted and started reacting in certain ways. And if I throw all of that away, there's this way of like, oh, how can I, how can I give voice to all of those parts of myself, whether it's nice or not nice or, you know what I mean? And, and play with that in the spirit of play, like you said. Um, so that we have more choice, right? Not because now I'm supposed to be a certain way, but so that we have more choice in yeah. and freedom to be who we are. Yeah. Yeah, just to be clear, I wasn't saying that we should embody what we want in our partner. I was just postulating that that, that, that maybe happen. what emerges yeah. is that yeah. because our idea of what that other is, if it's something we're wanting from our Yes. more of from our partner, then we're going to, we're going to show it in the way that we've been wanting it. Right. That could be. 
Yeah. Very interesting. And that could go for like, you could decide I'm going to play in the realm of being more like a tree. Like mm -hmm. what, what is it like to be the grand oak that lives for hundreds of years for the next week? Yeah. And, and what kind of perspective does that give me if uh -huh. I bring that to our interactions versus like, yeah, I'm going to be the, the sapling that just, that just grew. Yeah. And is new and bendy and playful and you know it's a totally different. So you can you can play with. I mean, who says you have to be masculine and feminine? You could be any of these things right. in the spirit of trying out a new repertoire. Yeah, I like that. And it's something that you can do on your own without mm -hmm. telling your partner. Though they'll at, if they're tuned in, they might be like, "What are you doing? Like, <laughs> why are you standing there with your arms outstretched all the time?" <laughs> I love that. I'm just wondering too, as we're wrapping up, if there's anything we each feel called to say. Um, and maybe, maybe, I mean, I feel moved to continue exploring this and see if there are any more practical ways to apply this. Cause I think, you know, this has been a very, in some ways roundabout conversation, but I like conversations and that they, it brings up, you know, it, it has this question or, norms and structures and ways that we've held ourselves and thought we had to be. Um, yeah. And, and somehow I just feel called to what you said of these ways we think we're supposed to be. And yeah. Yeah. What it's like to actually let go of, I'm supposed to be some way. And I could see a lot of the men I've worked with, or I've had these responses of like, well, I actually had a man recently say, well, I let go of being, um, what did he say? Oh, it seems like, you know, women really like me for being this kind gentlemanly person. And he was getting really frustrated. Like that's not, you know, that's not all of me. I don't want to have to be good to be liked. And so actually our next week's session, I said, let's really talk about this. I think this is one of my strengths is to help men move forward and connect in relationship while feeling their own strength and their own power and their own commitment to their desires and, and truth. Um, while also being able to connect and still have their care. It's like that balance again between, you know, the sex and the heart or the whatever that kind of passion and, and heart or strength and heart. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I think what could be really helpful if someone was inclined to do this. So if you're listening and you're thinking, what, how can I do, how can I get more related to what these guys have been talking about? Um, I could see listing just, I, this is, I'm supposed to, mm. I'm supposed yes. to over and over again until you're, you know, and set a timer for like 15 minutes Ooh. because you'll get, you know, the, the first five minutes, you'll get all those things that are obvious. And then mm. if you keep going, you'll start to discover even more, um, about what the script that you're playing or, and it could be, I'm supposed to be this way, or I'm supposed to not be this other way is another one. I love that. I just and thought you and I should both do that and post ours and be vulnerable with that. Oh, okay. <laughs> I'll do that. And then if you're in relationship, mm -hmm. it might be great to share that. Share mm -hmm. And another twist on that could be, I think my partner wants me to be. Ooh, that's a great one. Yeah. So, and again, try to exhaust yourself um, yeah. in terms of what you write. So it's not just the first things that come to you. Yeah, right. It's so not you, what you already know that you surprise right. yourself. Right. Um, and then when you can share that with your partner, there may be things where they're like, oh yeah, I actually do want more of that from you. Mm -hmm. But and but I'm seeing how you think you're supposed to be this way. And, you know, it becomes a great opportunity for for you to be in dialogue about- yes. And to surface the roles that you each think you're you're supposed to be following. Yes, yes. Yeah. I love that. And again, in service of choice, more than now, I'm supposed to let go of these roles and take on some other role, right? Like, <laughs> I think that's the the endless hall of mirrors that we can get stuck in sometimes, and to feel to feel that sense of choice. Yeah. Yeah, and it's that's a that's an interesting one because what do you do with like you're supposed to be present? Yeah. 
like I'm going to tell you that in terms of how I see successful relationships, if you're not willing to be present, mm -hmm. then you're screwed. Like right. that, and that doesn't mean I have to walk around 100 percent of the time being present. I get to actually, you know, say to my partner, "Are you able to be present right now?" Or can you know, can we have this? When would be a good time? Yeah, we do have to be willing to show up for each other. I think in that way. Yeah, yeah. So we are being a little prescriptive. Uh huh. But I feel like what we're being prescriptive with are with values that actually allow for a lot of flexibility. Yes. Versus stereotyped roles and ways we're supposed to be. Maybe we just brought it all the way back. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes. All right. Well, yeah. I think we could do a uh, part two and part a hundred. I think we could keep going. With this, probably I like yeah. this, but for now, yeah. that feels like a good place to come to a completion. Yeah, Shana, it's always great to. I'm so glad that we're friends, and it's such an honor to have you back on mm. Relationship Alive. Thank uh, you. To talk I love about that we're this. friends so too, and colleagues, and you know that you continue to inspire me, and we continue to talk about what it's like to be in relationships and new relationships. You know, in our later life and to grow and to be on this path of trying to figure out what the hell this is all about. So <laughs> thanks for doing this with me. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you for listening to another episode of Relationship Alive. If you like what you've heard and want to make it easier for other people to find out about us, please take a moment to subscribe to our podcast and to rate and review us on iTunes. If you have questions or comments or want to continue the conversation, you can always join our Relationship Alive community Facebook group. And for more information about today's episode, visit us online at neilsatin.com slash podcast. Or you can always text the word PASSION, P-A-S-S-I-O-N, to the number 33444 for more information. Finally, do you have a burning question that you're hoping we can have answered here on Relationship Alive, either for a future or past guest? Let me know and I'll see what I can do. Take care and see you next time.